Hi, this is Herb Kressel, and welcome to a special edition of the Radiology Podcast. The uh, RSNA awards the uh, Alexander uh, Margulis Award for the best original scientific uh, articles published in radiology uh, over the past year. We define the year of July through uh, June 30th. Now, the main criteria for uh, the award selection are the scientific quality and originality of the submitted manuscript. The uh, nominations are made by a nominating committee, and the final selection is by a separate uh, award selection committee. And the award, of course, is named after Alexander R. Margulis, a distinguished investigator and inspiring visionary in the science of radiology. This is actually the third year uh, that we've been awarding the Margulis Award. And Dr. Levine, would you like to uh, introduce the uh, winners? Yes, it's my pleasure uh, to introduce the winners of this third year of our award. Um, the article is entitled Carotid Artery Plaque Morphology and Composition in Relation to Incident Cardiovascular Events, the Multi-Ethnic Study of Atherosclerosis, or MESA. And our, uh, two of our award-winning authors are here with us today. The first author is Anna Zavadny who's an assistant professor in the Department of Medical Imaging at the University of Toronto in Ontario, and senior author, Dr. David Blumke, who is director of radiology and imaging sciences at the National Institute of Biomedical Imaging and Bioengineering at the, of course, NIH, and professor of radiology at Johns Hopkins. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, maybe we can start out by you telling us a bit about the MESA group. Sure. The, the MESA study is a pretty interesting study that started in about 1999. So it's been running for quite a while, about 15 years. And it stands for multi-ethnic study. So it was one of the first uh, population-based studies that was designed from the outset to represent the population of the United States. The purpose of the study was to look at new biomarkers that would predict cardiovascular disease. So we know from other studies like this, such as Framingham, that we need to watch our blood pressure, we need to control our cholesterol. But the MESA study was the first population-based study that started to use high-tech imaging from the outset, and that used a CT, MRI, and ultrasound. And this cohort's been followed for 15 years now, and there are multiple sub-studies. MRI's been a major component. So, Anna, what was the actual rationale for this particular MESA study? So, the carotid arteries are at a very opportune place in our bodies for imaging. Um, they're also for thinking. For thinking too, <laughs> yes. exactly. So these are high important, high importance vessels because they supply probably one of the most important organs in our body, our brains, and they're relatively superficial. They're large and they they stand still compared to other organ systems like the heart. And so you know this was really and it's a window into a very complex area of flow. We have this bifurcation within our carotids that allows sort of. Um, low pressure flow to go to our brain and high pressure flow to go to our mouth so that we can talk and eat and chew. Um, and so we, we get this very complex, interesting flow pattern that happens in these vessels, which are relatively superficial, that kind of provide an optimal imaging window to look at. And so for us, you know, looking at the carotid arteries, you know, is sort of a natural and, and important area to kind of to mm -hmm. identify, to try to um, look at and view in terms of using it as a prognostic risk factor to identify early atherosclerosis. 
So can you tell us a bit about what you found in this particular study? So it was very exciting. So in the study, we looked at approximately a 1,000 patients. They had been imaged with ultrasound, and then we imaged them with MRI. Um, during the MRI, after the MRI study, they had these vessels analyzed for the wall thickness and volume, and they also looked at plaque characteristics. And so then the same population was followed more or less continuously for many, many years. Um, the average number of years was five and a half, but some patients were, were followed as many as eight years. And they were basically looking for major cardiovascular events like uh, a stroke or a heart attack, um, the need for, if they had a cardiac arrest, if they were resuscitated or if they needed revascularization for angina. And so using those, that original cohort of patients that had that MRI and looking at those original sort of markers that we had identified and then using them to sort of model and predict which patients developed an event, that's, that's what we did. Um, it was very interesting because we, we controlled for a lot of biomarkers. So we controlled for blood biomarkers, we can, and some of them you know, are familiar to us in everyday practice, like hemoglobin A1C. Um, we had some inflammatory markers, which we don't use every day, but are used mm -hmm. often in medicine. <clears throat> and we also had the Framingham risk factors to compare them to. And it turned out that the um, imaging factors were very, very strong in predicting um, events. And it was a combination both of quantitative imaging and qualitative imaging. So looking at these complex plaque components as well as the overall volume of plaque that was the strongest determinant of who actually went on and, and had an event subsequently after their, their carotid MRIs. So uh, you mentioned that you compared them with the sort of more traditional clinical uh, risk factors and indicators, and, and how did the imaging actually compare with that? So, is it so something that's part of the armamentarium? Does it replace? I think that you know the imaging is a very strong sort of representation of what's been going on for many many years. Um, there are certain clinical factors that you can't beat, like age and gender are very strong predictors of who's going to have a cardiovascular event. But for that indeterminate group of people. You know, this was a very, very useful technique for reclassifying people into either a high or a low risk group. So you're saying I shouldn't get jumping up and down about my decreasing hemoglobin A1C until <laughs> I've scanned my carotids on MRI? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think the issue also, it, it's the, the enhancement that MRI adds is... Uh, we've been able to look at the carotid wall thicknesses for many years yes. with ultrasound. And that's been studied in, in prior large studies in thousands and thousands of individuals. So Anna's work really concentrated on can we go beyond looking at the thickness of the wall. MRI has been evaluated for 15 years. A lot of important publications in radiology mm -hmm. journal about all of these interesting factors, but we didn't really know their prognostic significance. Do they matter? Mm -hmm. And Anna's work really focused on looking at that. How does this affect that individual? So if we get that individual, that so-called vulnerable patient that you talked about, rather than vulnerable plaque, should we be treating these patients differently then once we say that they're vulnerable? I'd leave that to either one of you. Well, the issue that we're doing, all of us have now right now, is that maybe 50% of patients are in an intermediate category. Uh, based on traditional risk factors and other clinical variables that we know about. We really know the really high-risk individuals, they might have diabetes, they might have a very strong family history, and we know people who you know, really are going to be low-risk. But that leaves a large number of individuals in between. 
So imaging is increasingly trying to figure out who those individuals are and pinpoint them. And I think that this is one example of where we can do that with, with imaging tests. And it's for a good effect as well. Um, our clinical colleagues, I get phoned up all the time, they have a lot of frustration because regardless of what the treatment is, whether it's surgical or medical, there are side effects and risks to them. So, you know, whether it's antihypertensive drugs or statins or, you know, antithrombolytics, all of these have very serious risk factors that could lead to serious morbidity or death. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's, um, you know, and, and I, I constantly hear from cardiologists and surgeons like, you know, my patient is on this drug, they're having myop, you know, they're having significant yeah. side effects from their statins. You know, can we, can we drop it down or do we really have to push them through? And I think that this offers us another tool in our armamentarium in, dis in determining, you know, which patients really need aggressive therapy and which patients can back off a little bit, especially if they're having those adverse effects from the medications or from the treatments that they're un undergoing. So, you know, I think this is very exciting and important. I think you also mentioned the vulnerable plaque, which is really directly evaluated, but then Anna's work really highlighted uh, the effect of that vulnerable patient. So what's the vulnerable patient? That's the individual who has a plaque here and maybe a heart attack, uh, maybe disease in their aorta. So the concept is, yeah, maybe we can look at multiple vessels or different vessels to identify which is that at-risk individual. So. That's increasingly a factor of, of who's at high risk in general. So that was uh, one of the outcomes of the study as well. Not all these patients have stroke. In fact, it was the minority. So, so do you think going forward we're going to see a lot more biomarkers and trying to piece them together to uh, sort of sketch a painting of your where you are and where you're going, for better or for worse? I really hope so. And I think that this is the future of medicine. Um, I think imaging biomarkers are very strong and provide us with, you know, a lot of prognostic information that we just simply can't get from something else. You know, sometimes the things that are in our blood, they reflect more our last meal than the last decade of our life. Whereas when we image the structures in our body, we really do see the history of that patient and, you know, the vulnerabilities that have developed over decades rather than, you know, what's been happening metabolically in their bodies in the last few days. Um, you know, I think that imaging has become sort of a, you know, continuation of the physical exam and determining, you know, which patients are at risk or are already suffering from diseases. And so identifying biomarkers and sort of gleaning even more value or information from the images that we already look at and sort of get that gestalt that this doesn't look right, um, when we can put numbers to it and we can sort of use it in a more prognostic manner, I think that it just adds even more value and, um, and really helps our, you know, really helps our clinical colleagues in, in determining, you know, how aggressive they need to be and, and identifying target groups of people that need specific therapies. I think it's an important point because, you know, we're used to looking, thinking of imaging as a snapshot, but what you're saying is it's actually your life history. It's kind of all the bad parties when you're in college, all the effects of that and the uh, abuse as a weekend warrior. It's all... The, the telltale signs are there for a long time, and they probably affect what happens to us going forward. Uh, but just to put it in kind of a 
a broader context, you can't look at these biomarkers unless you have big studies. And I think MESA is a nice example of that, because even though this is a sub-study of a larger study, you've got the multi-institutional nature, you've got the prospective data that you're all acquiring, and, you know, I, I would just like to acknowledge the work you've done, but also the fact that this is part of oh, a much group. larger study with a lot of people involved, which is so important in our it current environment. that there are over 1,000 MESA investigators wow. throughout the United States and world now at this point. Um, the number of biomarkers people can imagine is in the thousands. But really the attractiveness for this profession, this field, is the specificity, as Anna had mm -hmm. mentioned. So these are really identifying disease that has manifest and in this case will affect that individual in the long term. Right. All those other thou literally thousands of biomarkers we're competing with uh, may not have that specificity. That's sure. what we're looking for. Well, I want to thank you both and the entire MESA group for this submission. Uh, we're delighted to publish it in radiology, and I think this was a, a well-deserved recognition of a really fine study. And thank you for spending some time with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much.